What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another North American Weed Tour podcast episode, episode 53. And today I'm joined by Alex Halpernan of Weed Week. How are you doing today, man? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you, man. I know you said off off mic right before we started. You're, you're joining us live from LA. I see some sun beaming in behind you. I'm out here in the uh, the Washington gray dealing dealing with the wet and the cold right now. Oh, um, well, it's fall. Yeah, yeah, it is that time. But I, you know, I at least get you know this industry coming back to life with events. I at least you know get to break out and travel a little bit, which I know we bumped into each other in Las Vegas. So how are? I'll, I'll just kick it off with like, how are you feeling now that you know? events are somewhat back in swing networking is like a in-person networking i should say is a thing again how's how's the temperature how are you feeling about all that i'm feeling good you know seeing people in person can't beat it it's really good just it was great to be able to see people i hadn't seen in a long time catch up with some some people meet some new people who i've been zooming with and emailing with for a year and a half um so yeah it was it was a lot of fun yeah, and I also I also really liked about Vegas, uh, you know, because obviously people from all over the country go there. Is just how many new states, you know, how many new friends we have now coming to come into the party now, or are able totally. to come to the party due to their state legalizing. No, absolutely. So, so now there's a lot of attention on New York and New Jersey, especially. And, and then from you, from a content perspective of like how how much are you looking at you know cannabis on the West Coast in California versus nationally and globally? Kind of what what where do you look at at I mean covering content everywhere? Is there specific niche focuses? So we're focused mainly on on the U.S. and then in general we're we're focused on the the bigger markets or and sort of the the bigger potential markets. But I'm in L.A. so we we definitely have a a California centric view of the world, but we're, we're excited about what's happening in New York and New Jersey, Florida, Michigan, uh, Colorado, Illinois, definitely, um, keeping a close eye on sort of the, the new States coming online. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of those ones you listed, especially on the East coast are really getting a lot of the attention right now. Um, whether it's news, media, you know, companies wanting to expand to those. Um, it's it's really a crazy time to be in cannabis. And so with all of this happening, and I know personally for myself, and I told you before we start, a lot of these questions, I, I know a lot of the answers and pain points, but for the people out there, what are some of the obstacles and challenges of covering cannabis news? Not only that it's a never changing ball of legislation, and regulation, but also so many new states are continually coming to the party. What are what are some of the obstacles in staying up to date on that? I mean, you know, we we live in a time of pretty amazing technology. So, I mean, sort of each state goes through goes through the same process. You know, they have the same debate over edibles. They have the same debate over, you know, how far away from a school can you have a a billboard or, or, or have a dispensary. So try, trying to keep keep an eye on which debates we've sort of already had and we sort of know know how they're gonna turn out. And but but also trying to figure out some of some of the new debates. So for example, just how the industry is structured in each state. Are there limited licenses? Are there unlimited licenses? I, I think that's really key in terms of to look for in terms of who's going to succeed in, in any given market. It, it, you can really 
almost the the lawmakers or regulators can really almost decide who's going to succeed in a market at the beginning of it, depending on who they cater to. Absolutely. And we're seeing uh, that happen in Florida right now with some of that re recent news. You know, I'm not going to name anyone. I'm not trying to throw any companies under the bus on here. That's not our point here, but we're seeing exactly what you're talking about of kind of, well, significantly someone potentially working with lawmakers to shape the uh, regulation in their favor. Um, but, it, sure. but it's a great point because, you know, social equity is, you know, has been such a hot topic over the last two years and acts accessibility to get into the industry. Um, and the, the regulations have the direct impact on who can get involved and, and who can't and even who can't get involved. How much have you noticed um, from your perspective, the conversation switched to social equity as we moved to the East Coast? Because I mean, I know California had that conversation earlier than, you know, where I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. But I feel as an industry, the conversation around social equity has really risen along with East Co the talks of East Coast legalization. What, what's your kind of your feelings on that? I mean, I, th I think the topic has definitely certainly come to the fore, certainly after last year's protest. It's it's really become it's gone on everybody's radar and every company really needs a, to say they have a, a plan to be to be able to address it. At, uh, and each state is sort of sort of tackling it in its own way or trying to tackle it in its own way. So like California, um, the, the California Cannabis Industry Association just released a report saying that the, I think, seven different local equity markets in the state really have a long way to go before they reach any kind of equity. And I, I think it's going to be hard for, for just as hard for, for the other states as well. You have sort of these situations where often the, the regulations will allow sort of micro equity businesses, but they're almost like, if they're going to succeed at all, there's sort of like no way they're going to really compete with the, the major player. They're sort of put off in a corner by themselves. And I mean, that doesn't sound like real equity to me, but, um, but it's sort of, sort of how it's going right now. And then it, it's really almost up to the companies how much they want to to get involved with it and a lot a lot of them are pushing for it but but a lot of them haven't really uh put their money where their mouth is absolutely and and you know you made a great point and something we're, we're seeing so I, I i live in the washington market obviously through content i cover everywhere and travel everywhere but i live and reside in the washington market when we had no social equity when we launched, they just started talking about it right before COVID. That gave them a perfect excuse to continue to fumble the football for another year. Um, but the the big conversation for them saying, hey, we're going to bring social equity. And the, the, the counterpoint was like, great, six years into your market being mature, you're going to acknowledge there's disadvantaged communities that could use a lift up. But are you really lifting them up when you're going to put them in a, one of the most mature markets in the country and then compete with other people when you're already acknowledging it's from a dis disadvantaged community. And so, you know, it's social equity is a great, great concept in its in its basis, but it definitely is, as you know, the point you you proved is just it's much deeper than just providing a way. It's it's really looking at this and, you know, hopefully some of these new states can uh, can not fumble the rock like we have on on this side of the map. 
No, I mean, and Colorado, another early market sort of, you know, they they didn't start equity a law until I think last year. So they've, they've got a, a long way to, to catch up as well. I think, I think to work, the, the companies really have to be involved in a, mm. in a meaningful way. And, and right now, it's really sort of up to them if they want to be involved or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. So starting back to the start, you know, Weed Week started as a newsletter in 2015. What what was kind of what was the basis of or, or the, you know, the inspiration behind starting a newsletter and then also starting a newsletter in the cannabis segment? Sure. So so my story is that so we met at MJ BizCon seven years ago. So um, seven years ago, uh, Fast Company magazine sent me to MJ BizCon and so that time in, in 2014, there were about 3,500 people there. And of course, that expanded to about 35,000 by, by 2019. But so I had just come come from New York and, and cannabis wasn't even a part of my life at the time. I, I was a, a business reporter, um, but but I thought this is an amazing story. I, I should cover this. So I, I ended up moving to, to Denver pretty soon af- after that. And what what sort of the basis for a newsletter was was that obviously it was very different. The industry was was a lot smaller at the time, but there was sort of everything was happening in boardrooms, in in labs, in courtrooms, in regulatory agencies, just in all different strata of society, in all different parts of society. So there there was was an opportunity, I thought to sort of distill the most important things into mm. a newsletter. And now we're really um, sort of focused on the professional market. So really trying to give people who are involved in the industry an overview of what's happening nationwide without taking up too much of their time. Yeah, I mean, uh, a good newsletter, right, is 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 a summary of news that's going on, right? Like, obviously, you know, some of them are set up where you can click away to, to read more. But, you know, I, I noticed in putting out online content, a unique phenomenon a couple of years ago that our, our, our articles that got shared the most, it would not be uncommon to see they had more shares than they had readers on the actual article, right? Where someone reads a headline and is like, yeah, I agree with that or I retained the information from, you know, 180 characters or whatever. And I felt good enough to share this entire article without reading it. And so, uh, you know, a newsletter obviously is more than that, but it is a, you know, you're able to summarize stuff and give it to people in a digest, you know, a digestible way. Hey, I want to open up a newsletter and just educate myself real quickly in 10 minutes on all these things that are going on. And so I definitely can see why that, that has an impactful, um, is impactful in its nature. And so you've obviously clearly felt for still doing it this long that the newsletter has continued to be the best format um, to do it. And so why, what, what's the inspiration of, of continually going that way? Is it because it's like able to get out such digestible news at one one point or, or why have you kind of continued to, to stay with that format? So we've tried a lot of various different things. Um, we had a podcast for a while. We, we, for a while we were publishing much more every day. We had to sort of shrink a little bit, but I mean, ultimately, I, I think the the newsletter still still makes sense, and we're and the 
the opportunity for the, the cannabis opportunity is, is still very much there. So pretty soon we're going to be branching into a, a community where mm -hmm. to enable people to sort of get together a little more and, and talk about some of their issues, sort of like, like we did at, uh, in Las Vegas, that kind of thing, sort of thing, like, you know, everybody's on LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn. You like LinkedIn. We all like LinkedIn, but, um, to sort of create a bit more of a, a more intimate setting where, where people can um, talk a little more freely and, and mm -hmm. sort of know that the people who are listening to them are sort of people at their level and they, people who they don't have to spell everything out for. So we're going to be creating a, a community like that and hopefully producing um, some content, maybe some additional newsletters focused on more specific areas. So for example, you know, legal issues or, or marketing issues. So those are to come pretty soon. I, think. Uh, I love that. And you know, that's definitely something about LinkedIn. Uh, I don't do a great job. I try to post every day, Monday through Friday, but some days I think, and I'm like, whatever topic that's coming to me or that I'm really can't, you know, get past that day doesn't seem it's not like it's inappropriate, right? But it's not appropriate for the, the business centered forum that is LinkedIn, right? Like some, some of my thoughts on the industry or specula speculation might not be, I don't know, LinkedIn might not be the right place, even though that same community of followers or people probably has an opinion on what I have, right? And so I might not put it in that forum. So I think there's absolutely room for more communities and more communities built around niches. I just did a post, I don't know, today about, you know, this weed maps and Brenner talking about a new social platform. And I don't think an entire platform for a single interest or niche is always the best route, but clearly like communities, whether it's on a Reddit or a website or a message board or silos within the existing apps. I think that there is so much room for people to come together and share thoughts over, over, you know, very targeted interests, like you're saying in marketing in relation to cannabis, especially, right? Like it's a very unique thing where, people that deal with that don't have a lot of opportunity to talk to peers and really build up education, share things and learn things. Totally. Like I don't, I heard about the, the burner weed maps venture, but I'm not quite sure what, what it's going to be like. Do you, do you know anything about it? I, you know, I tried to look and I'd like to say, I don't know if I can say this with confidence. We're the only person that's covered an article on it. I, I, or actually, I don't know if that is, but when I Googled it, I couldn't find anything, you know, in the news section, nothing. I couldn't either. Yeah. yeah. Burner had the Instagram post. Weed Maps had their Instagram post. I, you know, reading them, like you read burners and you think, okay, maybe it's not a social media platform, but then you read Weed Maps. Like it sounds like they're, so I, I'm speculating if it's going to be successful, it's not going to be a whole new platform. It's going to be some sort of community or some sort of thing within Weed Maps. Um, I think if they are going to build a whole new social media pro platform, you know, my personal opinion, I don't think that'll be successful. Okay. Um, yeah. No, no, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, people with a lot more funding have came out and tried to do that and been unsuccessful. Weed Maps has got an entire business model that is it is successful, but it's not even scaled out yet. So why, you know, why take on another task that, you know, there's, there's been one fucking Facebook the last 15 years, you know, I, there's not room sure. for many other ones. So, no, absolutely. you know, I don't know that that's what they want to do anyway. So, you know, for, for you, um, when you started back in 2015, you know, obviously, like you said, there wasn't as many legal states. And then along with that, the maturation and education 
around the plant, around the industry was very minimal. Where did you find content and information and education to, to compile into this newsletter at, at the start? So it, it's funny because sort of a lot of these stories were being covered in, in the local news. So I, I moved to Colorado, which was then sort of the center of the industry to, to cover it. So there was, there was a good amount going on in, in Colorado and there were, I mean, I, it's not like my, my sources are, were particularly original. There were a couple of different sources that were doing a good job covering it. Uh, MJ Biz does a good job for some things. Marijuana Moment does a good job for some things. And sort of, I mean, some of it was sort of bringing, there's always so much content that the, the job, even, even back then when there was a lot going on, it was sort of um, the, the value I, I, I hope I bring is sort of my, my curation is, is sort of slimming down what, mm -hmm. what's available um, to, to sources that, that I think are credible or to developments that, that, that seem like they could have more significance in, in, in other places. So if, if another state is going to have the same debate that doesn't really go anywhere about impaired driving or something like that, you know, I, I stopped posting about that a long time mm -hmm. ago, but, but just yesterday we learned that in, in Canada, there a study just came out and there really haven't been an increase in in traffic accidents since legalization in 2018 so that's pretty interesting because mm -hmm. that probably that's a big enough of a sample size over over a long enough time and it's similar enough that 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 probably tells us something valuable about what legalization means for for the for the uh road safety it turns out it, it it doesn't seem to be that much of a problem so that strikes me as as meaningful and and my hope although it it, it may be a little futile is that maybe people can turn to different issues the next time a state legalizes that's probably not going to happen we're still going to be hearing about right. worries about <laughs> the roads right absolutely and, and that's an important point you know i think for um you know, even for for our our listeners out there that are in the industry that are sharing their own story, their brand story, right? Of understanding, if you're telling the same story that's been told numerous times, you know, the reader doesn't necessarily care about reading the same story with a you know the hundredth different time, and therefore the curator does not care to curate stories that the reader ultimately does not care about. So even if your story is maybe not the most unique, but having that unique spin, unique angle, unique takeaway unique headline or blurb from it really helps bring a conversation that's not new, but brings new life to it. Right. Um, and, and I think that's just a good takeaway that people could take, you know, that they totally. should take. I mean, the other thing is that we're just so um, immersed in it that, that we don't necessarily realize how um, this, a lot of these things are, are still new to, to a lot of people even in legal states and mm. even, so like this week there's been huge news in, in the cat in the cannabis industry about a new republican excuse me 
a new Republican legalization bill. And that really shakes up the situation in Washington because it's, it's not just a question of, okay, how many Republicans are going to get on board? It's, okay, well, maybe the, the final bill is going to comprise Republicans and Democrats and probably leave out some people on the right who just don't want it and some people on the left who, who want legalization but with more equity provisions or, or something mm -hmm. like that. So it, it really sort of shifts shifts the dynamic. And um, of course, to Weed Week readers, that, that's very important. And and I, I cater to them and sort of give give my assessment of, of what's happening. But but a lot of people in Washington, you know, even pretty well informed people, like this just isn't on their radar. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's an important issue, but but it's it's not an issue that in, in my view, always gets the, the attention it, it deserves. Absolutely. And, you know, um, another question I have about curating this newsletter is, and I know from doing my own newsletter, right, you have, if you have a newsletter, you have certain topics you want to, you know, you want to cover in there. What, what about a story makes you want to put it in that kind of that top spot that first, you know, cause obviously that's the, the best real estate to hopefully give someone you get them caught on that reading, they're going to keep reading, right? So what, what kind of is the, the thesis that you put into selecting what that top slot is going to be? I mean, it, it, a lot of it is just sort of, sort of news judgment. It's like if something is better known, then people want to hear about it. Um, you know, like one company, MedMen, was soaring high for a while and then sort of crashed. And people like to read about them and, and, and their comeback plan. So I always know that if there, if there's a MedMen story, people want to read about, I don't want to overemphasize it because these days MedMen is in sort of a top tier company. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it's, but people want to read about it. So, so it's sort of a balance of, of giving them, giving them what they want, but also what is, what is most crucial. What, what I think is, is going to matter most. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, and then within that, right. And again, I know this personally, but the, the issue of monetizing media, but remaining authentic, um, what are, you know, that's, that's a challenge. What are, what are some of the challenges you faced around that? Or what are some, you know, how much does that come up in, in what you do of making sure you monetize something, but not selling out, right? That's a problem we all face when putting out content. It, it, it totally is. Um, and it is a challenge. So I've always tried to maintain, uh, the sort of traditional newsroom separation between church and state, sort of mm -hmm. between the business and, and editorial operations. Uh, but that's a pretty hard thing to do when you're basically a one man shop. So, um, <laughs> so what, what, what I do is I'm, I'm transparent and, and I, I try to be authentic. Um, I don't pretend to, like there are some people who really know their product and, and they can sort of go, go deep on that. And I, I like product as, as much as everybody else, but, but I don't consider myself a connoisseur. So I don't, I don't do product reviews just because mm -hmm. it's it's not my my area of of expertise, and I I encourage 
I encourage, like, I hope our advertisers, and I'm, I'm working on, always work, trying to work on different, different revenue streams and de develop new revenue streams. But um, I think it's about hoping that we can offer uh, a product or, or advertising as a service, which is, is valuable to people. So Weed Week has an audience, a, a national audience, and, and a lot of people in our audience are sort of senior, senior executives. So I think I, I tell potential advertisers that our, our best, you're probably best served um, or B2B companies are, are best served by mm. advertising with us because we have sort of an elite national audience. And if you've got a product brand, then what you want is a, a mass local audience. So trying to offer, offer things that, that bring real value to people and, and not pretending that it's, we're going to give value in a way that we, we probably aren't and, and trying to be transparent. You know, if I've, if somebody advertises with us and, and they've got um, a story that I want to tell, I say, Hey, these folks have advertised. I, I say in the newsletter, these, these folks have advertised with us. So I still think it's newsworthy. So I'll cover it. And I, I just try and be, as open as possible. Yeah, and that, and that's something I can tell you from our end of doing a lot of agency work is, you know, when, when I do more in-depth agency work with a, with a brand or a company, like you learn the intricate ins and outs and you uncover some of those stories, right? Where they're, they don't even know like, hey, I should be publicly telling this. And you learn, you know, you just get a story like, oh my God, that's such a good story. And so then it turns out, hey, like I'm gonna help you formulate this from a marketing standpoint or advertising format, but I also just genuinely, you know, even if you cancel this contract with me today, I still want to tell that story because it's a good story. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there's so many good stories out there and, and, and so many companies out there and, um, going through, the, everybody's going through their own things. So it, it, it's something I try and balance and I, I just try and keep as, as transparent about it as possible. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult place to, you know, line to cross at times, but obviously like what you're saying, I think a big important thing is like you understand your audience. And so you understand what advertising would be best suited for that. And maybe there's a story there, maybe not. Right. That's kind of irrelevant when you're in the advertising standpoint. Um, but it's it's important to know your audience. And so that was going to be one of my questions. You did allude to allude to it a little bit. But what is what is your audience? And then kind of with within your audience, did you set out to create something, a platform for that audience, or did you just create this platform and then kind of realize this is the audience that's coming to it? it it's been a work in progress this, this whole time. I mean, I think it, it's sort of based on on my sensibilities, the the things that draw me to this story and, and keep me interested in the story are sort of the 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 mega story of an outlaw industry going corporate and and mm. what that looks like and and how that sort of resonates through society both in terms and it, it resonates in in all sorts of ways from um just more people if more people are smoking rather than drinking before before social events that really changes the the sort of vibration of our life and our events and 
and stuff like that. But it but it also resonates in in the criminal justice system and and in sort of the 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 financial industry and and all the different and in sort of the worlds of social justice. So finding all the ways that that this industry, which if if you think about what it's doing, like the things it's doing of sort of growing plants, processing plants, selling them, you know, those are things that companies have are pretty good at and have been able to do for, for a long time. But but looking at it, but because it's federally illegal and that sort of cuts through everything, it makes everything more more interesting. So so those are the kinds of, of questions that that interest me. And and I guess what and and I think I'm I'm lucky that the things that have interested me have found an audience. And that mm-hmm. and that audience is much more of a, a B2B audience because I know that um, cannabis connoisseurship and knowing like this is really good weed and this is sort of mediocre weed and, and this is bad weed. Like that's as to me, that's every bit as valid as sort of talking about wine in that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't talk about wine in that way like that. And I don't really talk about cannabis in that way. But I know if something is really really good or or really really bad but mm-hmm. i'm i'm generally pretty happy with with what i get and but i shift my focus to to other questions and that's and that's interesting in 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 pursuit obviously of someone that's also built a platform um that shares content and news is i think the best things come from around your interest right or, or regardless of what you're doing in life right if you're following your passion following your interest that's something you're going to connect to. And obviously it's easier to, to put the labor in, but also that's, what's probably going to resonate with other people. Right. When we, when we have shared interests, that's what connects us. Totally. Um, and so that's, that's very interesting that, that you did that. Cause I, I know from our standpoint, you know, part of our stuff is building content with the intention of re- reaching a certain audience. And some of it is producing content and then understanding what audiences is, is catering to it and being like, okay, now we got to step back. We didn't necessarily, you know, we didn't necessarily think that was going to be the thing. So when you set out, obviously following your own interest, did you know it was going to be the business community because you come from that background? Did you have a hunch it was going to be that? Or, or did, is that just kind of how the, the cards laid out? I, I had a, I had a pretty good idea. Of course, I didn't yeah. know what would, what would happen, but, but I, I had a pretty good idea that that would be my focus just because the, I mean, one of the reasons is just the the amount of money involved right. is so huge that, or is getting to be so huge that just sort of following the sort of standard journalistic maxim of follow the money is gonna is gonna take you someplace pretty pretty interesting. And then, have you faced any challenges around talking about cannabis through these email? servers and news list platforms because i know that's a very common topic for people that sell it obviously you're on the other side of it in terms of sharing news and education which sometimes gets a contextual pass but sometimes these algorithms are not so friendly to these keywords regardless have you faced any uh, challenges around that yeah a little bit um right now i'm in pretty good shape knock wood you <laughs> never know when that'll change but right now i'm i'm working with strictly mainstream companies and i'm 
I'm happy to be in that situation, but it it didn't happen overnight. And uh, I, I I hope I can hope I can maintain it. Uh, but no, it's 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 certainly a concern. But also the the issues I face are relatively insignificant and relatively manageable compared to what licensed companies deal with. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Can't even imagine. Yeah, and then there's another, not only you have the platforms, and then you have a regulatory body looking at how you're using these platforms if you hold the license. And so, you know, I also know, you know, a newsletter, a mailing list, right? I view that as, you know, personally, I view that as an asset, right? I view social media profiles as um, something you lease, something you rent. You know, we've all seen it. You know, Instagram could pull your shit in a matter of seconds and, you know, kick you out on the curb. You do not own that. Whereas a website, and a database is an asset that you can actually own. What has gone into building that? Because that's something else I'm very intimately aware of is the difficulty of, you know, building those subscribers one by one by one by maybe five here by one by, you know, yeah. it's, it's a task, yeah. man. What, what's gone into building this newsletter list? I mean, just keep doing it. <laughs> I mean, I, I had, I had no idea that it would be uh, as challenging as it has been or, or take up as much time as it has been. Or, and what one of the cool things that's happened is that this whole sort of creator economy is, is budding. And that has m- made things, um, I'm not going to say easier because it's still not easy. It, it, it's still hard, but, but yes, it has made it easier and it has created a, a path anyway, through a, a very challenging. Uh, so I, I mean, I've tried to do things for, for a long time. Like right now I'm, I'm very lucky where we accept advertising. You're welcome to advertise with us. Um, and especially B2B, that's that's um, where we think uh, our sweet spot for advertisers is. But uh, we we now have like a self-serve advertising store mm. for the newsletter. Um, so we're we're very lucky to have that. We, we now have a, a jobs board that I, I didn't build the jobs board, but we're, we're able to. So it's sort of I've learned to to be able to reach out and and take advantage of these existing tools that that already exist in a way that I understand is is not possible for, for a lot of licensed businesses. Absolutely. And and with the job board, when did you when did you launch that? And what was the inspiration of I mean, I clearly have the B2B audience, so that, yeah. that makes sense, right? For people looking you're in that sector you're looking for talent you're never not looking for talent but what was the inspiration of of adding that to the to the business yeah i mean i i just think it's it's an asset and 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 maybe something the industry needs um i think if you're if you're hiring a a ceo or or a trim team there there are a lot of companies out there that can that can help you if you are hiring what most people are which are sort of employees team members staffers whatever um you can you can go on indeed and, and linkedin but it's maybe not quite as focused and with weed week what what you get is we have this this great software that does a really good job for employers it 
if you are looking for a job either actively or passively, you can just upload your resume and you'll get a free resume assessment. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, so this job board, we're just getting started with it. So it's not quite rolling as, as fast as it will be. But um, but basically, we're we're bringing the we're trying to bring the employers and the the people looking for jobs to the same place, and that's sort of the challenge of of job boards. But um, I think we're in a in a good position to take advantage of that. And of course, the industry is going to be hiring it at such an extraordinary pace over the next couple of years that seems like an opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like we just, I mean, we said at the start of the conversation, but all these new states are going on. The states that have it are, are scaling and growing. Um, the industry is, is absolutely exploding. And so another question I, I have is um, how much work goes into curating these newsletters? And do you have a streak of like whatever days you go on? Do you have a streak where you have not missed? And do you know what that streak currently is? Um, so for, for a while it was, just one newsletter a week and it was probably longer than than it is now so sort of broken it up into now we're two a week which i i think is sort of enough to keep people posted on on the news they need if unless they're trading stocks but we don't really cater to a, a stock trading audience um but i don't know i've probably gone about two years but now i've, I've scaled it back a little so, so now we're doing two a week. I'll probably, this whole year, I'll probably skip like five or six. Okay. So that makes it manageable. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. I mean, it's a lot, especially as one person, you know, there's there's no calling in sick and having someone to, to cover totally. for you. Um, I just, I, I know that's something, the newsletter is something I personally struggle with for us for a long time. And I've been consistent i'm just always like asking people how how long you've been i don't even know how long i've gone without me i probably missed one in the last year and we only do one a week but um but it's just fun. i just always give people credit man if you can go if you can go a streak without missing like props man it's a lot it's a lot of work and it's it's difficult to show up on that type of task on you know week in week out well i i appreciate that it's true but and there there certainly have been some some low points but but Things seem to be going pretty well, and I, I heard an expression uh, that if if you're going through hell, keep going, and, and I think there's there's real truth to that, because if you if you stop, then you're just in hell. <laughs> that's a, that's a good analogy. Um, something else that I want to ask is is finding this. I know you said finding this cadence of two a week, which I think is is a is a solid amount. You know, just as someone, I get you know, I'm subscribed to different newsletters or get emails, even promotions from companies I purchased through, you know, I definitely, I'm not a fan of daily in my inbox, but if you were giving me of something of value around my interest, you know, twice a week is, is about that level. Did you, did you kind of test out going more or going daily at any point? And then how much did you look at like opt out rates or open rates and kind of pay, did you pay attention to the data to kind of find a weekly thing? Or did you just kind of set up like, I think I'm just going to, I have so much content, I'm going to cut it into two. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an iterative process um, and just constantly checking the data, checking how things are going, what I'm able to do. Because, uh, and, and sort of this is where, this is where I am right now, but, but we'll see if, if that changes. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and with the, with, with the data, like, you know, you know, a lot of your content is living in the, the newsletter. So I take it, you probably are more concerned with like open rate than click through rate. Correct. I, I'm, I pay attention to both, you, yeah. you know, open rate is often, um, really dependent on just the subject line and that, right. that's sort of intimidating. It's like, what, what are you going to do? And because sometimes the, the news that, that I think is most important, I, I don't think they're going to open it. And so sometimes, so there's going to be some fluctuation, but if the, the click through rate remains pretty solid, then, then, then I'm confident that even if I screwed up a subject line, which certainly happens, mm. at least the people who open it are, are still engaged and involved in it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Cause there are two very different things, but they tell a little bit of a different, yeah. What, what, what something was like, wow, that really caught, caught their attention to open it. And then obviously a high click through, even with a lesser open rate, you know, than potentially average, but you see a higher click through rate. You're like, wow, well, people were obviously getting extracting value out of this and wanting to learn more. Um, you know, another question I have just for internal is what, how much effort do you put into the subject line? And trying to condense, like, because it's a, it's a, it's this fucking song and dance of like we have certain keywords we want to have like right at the start, but then we have the story, and all these keywords we want to wrap in this whole story, but we also have a character count we want to keep it into. So how much effort and like the, that song and dance do you put into crafting these subject lines? It, it's definitely important, and um, I there are some. I definitely follow other newsletters and not just in, in cannabis, but outside of cannabis, but to see sort of what, what best practices are and, and stuff like that. It's unfortunate that I, I think there's too much emphasis on the subject line, but there's nothing really I can do about that. So I, I just have to do it the best I can. Yeah. And then have you tried, you know, I'm not, no judgment here because I've definitely tried. Have you tried, I won't call it spammy or clickbaity, but we'll say, uh, overly engaging types of subject lines to see what the open rates are i i think so and and certainly you know i know people love click clicking on lists so i always try and get a list or two in there um but i i want to respect the audience i i, I want to give them stuff they're value that's valuable and the the lists that i offer i i hope are are interesting or of of interest to them. So I, I try and strike a balance between uh, I don't want to waste their time and, and lose them if I get a quick couple more clicks this time. And I don't want them to just go away because we're, we're too dull. So I, I try and strike a balance. Yeah, I mean, everything in life is balanced and especially when it comes, you know, comes to the internet. Totally. Um, you know, I know we alluded to it earlier and I actually had a follow up question. We didn't get there. But, you know, I asked, you know, at the start 2015 with how you were curating this, the, these email lists. And you said it was a lot more localized media newspapers that were covering things And this landscape that we're in now where cannabis is, you know, in some regards, mainstream, some regards, there's still quite a bit of a stigma there. Um, where are some of the sources and, and places that you frequently check to just stay in tune with whether again, whether it's new legislation, news? Or even finding out what's trending news. Sure. So I mean, I look on LinkedIn a lot. I, I think a lot, a lot of business 
and I, I've sort of been disappointed. Look, Politico does a great job covering cannabis. Business Insider does a really nice job. Uh, the Boston Globe, sometimes I haven't been paying quite as much attention to Massachusetts recently, but they've done it, done a pretty nice job. But at the same time, there are a lot of mainstream outlets that that don't cover it. And, and I think it's largely just because of the stigma. Um, and they're, they're missing out. They're missing out on the story. But, you know, for certain things um, at, at Marijuana Moment, Tom Angel does a, does a really nice job with with some of the legislative issues in, in some of the states. Um, for a lot of the um, sort of brand, for the brand stuff, I I look to other places. A lot of that I look to LinkedIn for, just because to see what folks are getting excited about and what, what interests them. And I think that's a really helpful way to um, sort of gate, read the room. Absolutely. And so for that stigma, you know, that you that, that you mentioned of, uh, of a reason to hold back for some of these mainstream news outlets, what do you think, what, what is something that you feel like you're going to see and be like, man, the stigma is definitely broken? Do you have anything that, that pokes out in your mind? Well, I mean, one thing would be if the Wall Street Journal covered, had a had a weed beat reporter. I mean, it's kind mm. of amazing that that they don't. Uh, but that would be like a a very mainstream thing. I think another thing is that the the, the politics of of legalization are pretty interesting. Like there have always been a couple of Republicans who have favored legalization, um, but it, it's always sort of been more of a Democratic issue. But even on the Democratic side, like the the politicians who who favor it tend to sort of say well the war on drugs has failed and we we shouldn't be locking people up and 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 veterans should should have access to medicine but even even the strongest advocates don't really have the the industry's view that um having access to legal weed is sort of a net positive for society. Mm. It's more about what, what doesn't work and, and what has failed. So when um, more politicians are saying, like, we are better as a society because anyone can go to the corner or, you know, get, get kind of get legal license tested cannabis delivered, we're better off for that. I think that'll be a big thing. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't know if they say it about tobacco or, 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 or even alcohol. Right. And that's a, that's a great point that even a lot of the advocacy on the political level is, you know, obviously on the left-hand side and is more so acknowledging the wrongdoings of the war on drugs and less about the positive, right? In a way, it's still focusing on a negative instead of focusing on the positives. But it's a very big, I mean, still a very big issue that, that needs to be addressed and, and hasn't been addressed. What are, what are some of the things in cannabis media that you feel like are missing as opposed to traditional media? I know you mentioned, you know, like having Wall Street Journal, having a reporter covering that, but what, what are some of the things that you feel like are just missing in cannabis media? I mean, I think there is a certain amount of sort of credulousness that I, I find I sort of roll my eyes at a little bit. Like 
brands are always saying, you know, this is like an energetic product or this is a chill product, stuff like that. I would love to see some brands actually test that or or the media to sort of talk about it a little more aggressively. Yeah. Like I would love to do a uh, weed week challenge where we could sort of do a blind taste test and people would be like, oh man, that that's a upbeat product. You know, sativa indica, it's a little bit dated, but um, you know, that's an energetic feeling. That's a sort of a chill feeling. And I, I would love to organize something like that. It, it's gonna take a little work, but I, I think it would be a lot of fun. Well, hey, let me know. That sounds like that. So that might be something up our alley, man. So uh, yeah, and I, 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 I like that idea. I think there could be some good content types formed from that. Um, totally. You know, cannabis is a unique thing that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, something you put in your body and everybody kind of reacts differently to it in different parts. And I think there's some amazing things about that. And also some things that make it very difficult for education and, um, I think that's something that's missing in this this industry is, you know, this this education level. Like within the industry, we all know THC percentage isn't the hype that consumers make it to be yet. And so the most educated markets in the country, it's THC percentage is still what, what drives the thing. So there's still some sort of disconnect, right, of like people that are in the, na the know or in this echo chamber of the industry and like communicating this information outside of that like i don't know if it's just a lack of it a lack of um you know context or ability or you know just less ways to distribute this information or if you know or if people even really care you know um it's kind of yeah. a complex thing we're at it's sort of it's all a bit hazy Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things too, you know, is like when it comes to cannabis media or cannabis news, cannabis content, right? For you and what you've noticed, and it's probably more, you know, whether it's messages back and forth or people you've met along your travels is like, do you feel like the majority of people that are, I mean, clearly are, I know the answer, but the majority of people subscribing to the newsletter are within the industry, how much do you feel like people are outside of the industry that are looking to be educated? I think there's, there's a, good deal of interest um i think the 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 most interest is from people who are looking to make money at it um more so perhaps than the sort of non-traditional customers a lot of a lot of brands are sort of targeting out there i mean my mother is a non-traditional customer i'm pretty sure she i don't think she will ever try cannabis but even with me and um <clears throat> but but she has certainly i i would say she respects what i do and which is which is important to me um and and certainly under understands what i'm doing she's just not particularly interested but but then again i also have friends whose parents are in similar positions or whatever and they're like, oh yeah, I had, uh, you know, I was feeling a little achy, and I tried some CBD or something like that, and it really worked for them. So, so then they sort of pick it up. But, but it it's definitely a process. Absolutely, it takes it takes an introduction to something that has like, if you have pause about cannabis, it's you know a health reason, uh, the stigma, right? And so to get over that hump, 
either way, right? If it's a health thing, then you might not ever get over it. If it's a part of the stigma, it's a very challenging, you know, hill for someone to climb to being, oh, I'm open to it. Okay, I'm kind of interested into it. So, oh, I'll try it. You know, it's 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 not as simple and straightforward of like, would you like to try this new seltzer water product? No, <laughs> you know, totally. It's a little bit different. No, um, what's 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 next? What's next for for in the evolution of of Weed Week? Yeah. So um, pretty soon we're going to be launching a community um, for where sort of professionals will be able to sort of network and, and chat with and, and converse with other professionals. And, and I hope it'll be um, a bit more of a, a roped off scene rather than LinkedIn, which of course I'm on all the time and I, I find very valuable. But um, perhaps just people feel it's it's almost like like in, in Las Vegas, there's like the party everyone can go to and the party everybody wants to go to. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope this will sort of be a little more like the, the party everybody wants to go to. OK, OK. Yeah, not 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 everyone's getting in the door. All right, man, you got to have the right invite. Something like that. Yeah. Well, we're you know, we're generally pretty accommodating. But but yeah, but just a, a, a climate where there's a, a bit more comfort um talking about just the sort of problems everybody's dealing with every day awesome i mean it's kind of it's kind of just the natural evolution of taking this community clearly you've built with you know almost although you distribute to a lot of people it's it's digested right like in a one-on-one -on -one format is opening up an email so it's taking that community and and, and pushing it together if you will yeah i'm, I'm pretty excited to, to see that happen Awesome, man. Well, you're gonna have to keep us keep us in tune with that, and the, you know this content idea, the you know challenging the uh, the advertised effects or marketed effects of some of these products. I, I like that, man. We'll have to we'll have to stay in touch with that. It should, it, yeah. I I would definitely uh, love to pursue something like that. Awesome, awesome. Well, man, Alex, I really appreciate you hopping on the North American Weed Tour podcast to talk about something I know again very much intimately about is cannabis media. Um, but I think it's great for us to get this information out there because a lot of these questions just built around building a news newsletter, um, understanding open rates, click through rates, looking at that stuff, subject lines, any brand, any person, any company in this industry, that is information that they should absolutely have. It's, it's not just relevant for learning and digesting news, but those same practices and skills should be applied to their business. So I very much thank you for hopping on here and, and sharing a, a little bit behind the curtains. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. And weedweek.com, correct? That's the, that's the website. So yep. I'll, I'll plug it for you. If you got anything else you want to you plug, you know, you got your moment, but I'll put weedweek.com. You guys can get your information, sign up for the newsletter there. Great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, man. And to everyone out there, North American Weed Tour Podcast, episode 53. We will catch you guys here soon.